has three deadlines. You know, oh, I don't do that one. Payday someday, Bobby Joe. No, you don't do that one either. There's some of them you just leave them alone. They are they're in the annals of history. That one, that was that was good. You know, scratched out an outline. I'm serious. I ain't preaching to you telling the truth. I scratched out the outline and everything and got that down. Yeah, that was my book. So thank you. I I go to bed real late Saturday night. Watch watch two reruns of Wheel of Fortune. It'd be great. That'd be good. Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, please stand as we read the word of God now tonight, this morning, this, tonight, all day, all over. You know, when you're trying to do stuff in, on the West Coast and you're three hours ahead, it's evening time back there, you got to stay up till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, get phone calls in, do what you got to do, so um, it's up pretty late last night. That could be trouble, because when I get tired, I'm goofy, so you'll have to bear with me. First Corinthians 4, verse 9, For I think that God set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were, appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. You ever, you preachers ever notice how God just puts an outline in a verse? That, that one's right there. But verse 10 is where we're going to head in a bit this morning. We are fools for Christ's sake. But ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but we are strong. Honorable, but we are despised, a fool. Everybody likes to be made a fool of or seem like they're a fool. In the Bible, a fool is a person who rejects the information or knowledge that they are given. Did you ever notice how there's the right kind of fool and the wrong kind of fool? Yeah. Here he says, We are fools for Christ's sake. That's the right kind. Proverbs, 40 times in Proverbs, the fool is mentioned. 40 times. He's always the wrong kind. So the question this morning is quite simple. Whose fool are you? Father, bless this morning. I'll be with us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Whose fool are you? Don't you hate to look like a fool? I was a teenage boy sitting there watching television. Forgive me, Brother Roy. Watching television. And a commercial came on. It was the 60s. Now, you had to be in the 60s. I... I I was in the 60s. I don't remember the 60s. It was a little hazy, purple haze, I think, if I remember right. But it was the 60s, and I'm watching this commercial, and it comes on, and here's a woman riding a horse on the beach, hair flowing, crispy dress. And the guy comes on, and, and the commercial's a perfume commercial for women. And he says, John 2. For some reason, I saw that and I thought, wouldn't that be great to ride a horse on the beach like that? And it was the 60s, so I had flowing hair. Wasn't wearing a dress then or now. But I got to thinking, boy, would that be something to ride a horse on the beach like that? The spray coming over the horse. John 2. I was about 16 years old. A couple weeks later, we're going down to Baja in Mexico. Camping. Camping's stupid. Stupid. I said it's stupid. You work all year, put a roof over your head, and go live like a homeless person. I mean, that's stupid. My idea, am I on it, brother? That's sound doctrine right there. Now you got it. My idea of roughing is a $250,000 motorhome with a satellite dish stuck on the Hallmark Channel. That's roughing it, Gene, right there. We go camping as a teenager with my family. We're down the Baja, Mexico, right by Ensenada. We're going to the campground. Ask 
we're pulling in there is the little rough cut side. You can see the horseback riding on the beach, 25 cents an hour. I thought it would be a job, too. I got the crack of dawn the next morning. I go over there to the to the stables. <laughs> Three sticks in the ground with a rope around it. Horses in there that they named like Elmer's, Alpo, Swayback. You know what a Swayback horse looks like? I mean, he's dipped in the middle like there's something wrong with him. Sad looking horses. But I'm thinking it would be a job too. So I go up to the guy and they go, El Dinero, Cuatro Horas. Come on. I figure about four hours on the beach, this ought to do it. So I give him a dollar. I get in, I get in the saddle. And the horse is so sway back, my feet are almost touching the ground. And you're supposed to adjust the stirrup so you can hold yourself up off the horse if he trots, you know. I didn't pay attention to that. I didn't pay attention to nothing. I'm thinking of John 2. And I also didn't pay attention to the saddle. And I got to get in it. I look at it, and the leather was gone, and it was wooden. And there's a big old crack going right down the middle of that thing. I didn't pay attention to that either because I'm thinking of John 2. The horse will not leave the stable. I'm sitting there on the turn, El Cruncho, let's go, bro, son, here we go, you know, something, El, El uh, Mariachi, come on, man, whatever we're going to do here, let's go, he would not, he's not leaving the stable, no way, so the guy comes over, and he goes like this, I hand him the reins, he gives the reins to his kid, little boy, and he leads me down the beach, and I'm sitting in the saddle. leads me down the beach about a mile or so and then the kid just drops the reins and walks off so I reach over I pick up the reins and people look at me I turn that horse's head where he just got an eyeball back to where he came from Boom! that boy took off man I mean like a shot all of a sudden that stinking four legged case of Alpo turned into a Kentucky Derby winner man and he is going wow I mean flying down the beach wrong 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 I'm thinking Something people look at me. That crack in that saddle turned into the jaws of death. Uh, and it starts pinching the living fire out of me, man. I'm telling you, and I can't get up off the I can't get off the saddle. And the horse is going this way, and his horse is going that way. My hair was flowing, but I didn't have a dress on. And, and that boy was moving, and then he hits the salt water, and it comes up in my face like that. I go, ah, ah, ah. And I'm trying to rub my eyes going, ah, I'll stop, I'll stop. Come on, man. Whoa, whoa, buddy, buddy. So I'm holding myself up with the horn and the back of the saddle like this, and he's going, and then it would hit me, and then the water, and I'd slip down. <laughs> I'm yelling my head off, hair flowing, salt water in my eyes. This horse, whoo, he's going home, buddy. I'm telling you what. And I'm just trying to stay alive, brother. I'm trying to stay out of being a Vietnamese voice choir soloist. I mean, wow. <laughs> and it's just chewing me up, man. And I can't stay off the horse, and I slip and fall down. Ah! And he run into the water, and then he run out of the water, and then he run up on the beach. Now, like that, and he just, that boy, he didn't, when he got back to the stables, he didn't even slow down. He just stopped. And I went, whoo, right over the top of that horse. And I'm laying on the ground. Foam from the horse falling in my face. And I'm thinking, John, John too. <laughs> 
está bien. As I passed the campground, my brothers over there was systematic taking pictures of me going down the, going down the beach. Telling you what, I was looking for cotton balls when I got back to the campsite. I mean, that boy done chewed the britches off me on that wall. Uh, there is actually a John 2 part 2. I don't have time for it this morning. 30 years later, we're riding on the beach in Oregon. Something awful happened up there, but I, I'll save it for another trip. Here's the deal. We, don't say on. Uh, see, you, re, you really listen to some funny story than the Bible. That's what's really sad. I tell that story every now and then. And then people, I go to a hotel, and I've told it before at the church. Kids will put posters in my room. Are you going to tell John 2? And they think it's John chapter 2. It's not John 2. It's John 2, J-O-N-T-U-A. There's still a commercial you can see. Anyway, but not me riding on the beach. But here's the deal. Well, nobody wants to look like a fool, but eventually we are. Look at me. You're either going to be one kind of fool or the other kind of fool. So you don't get a choice, but you do have to decide whose fool you're going to be. And you're made a fool by three things in life, by your choices, by your conduct, and by your convictions. So let's consider whose fool you are today. We are somebody's fool by the choices we make. Psalm 14 verse 1 says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Now let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, atheist is a fool. They're not intelligent. They, they profess to be. Oh, man, I've sat next to him on airplanes before, and uh, I have my Bible out working or something like that, and this guy's sitting next to me. Oh, yeah, you're uh, religious. And I said, I'm a Christian. Yeah, and I said, oh, and I'm, a, I'm a pastor, too. Oh, so you're a reverend. I said, well, no, reverend's God's name. I said, no, but I, I'm a pastor and stuff like that. He goes, well, I happen to be an atheist. I go, no, you're not. He goes, what? I said, no, I go, no, you're not. He goes, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, sir, a couple things. Number one. We're at 35,000 feet. Where are you going? He said, I'm going up to Texas or something. I said, I'm going to Arkansas. 35,000 feet, 122 people on this airplane. We have to be on the same airplane. You have to sit in the same role as a Bible-believing preacher. And I'm here, and you say you're an atheist. If that ain't God, I don't know what is. Well, that happens to be a coincidence. You know? I said, well, let's try this one, sir. Take a napkin out. I wrote a circle on it. I didn't scratch it. To wrote a circle on there, and I said, let's say, sir, inside that circle is all the knowledge available to mankind today on this planet. Let's say you are you are Einstein, Hawking Square, two to the power of one. Let's say you got like a quarter of all the knowledge available to mankind. Is it not logical to assume in the knowledge you don't have is the knowledge of God? You just don't know everything. So then the guy goes, so what am I? I go, now i got to tell an atheist what he is. I said, you're an agnostic. You just don't agree that there's something out there, but there could be something out there. I said, that's not any better, sir. That kind of deal. You know, they think they're so intelligent. They look at a building and know there's an architect. They look at a watch and know there's a maker. They look at everything else around them. They have no issue with that fact whatsoever, none whatsoever. But then they look at what is created by the hand of an almighty God, and they they won't acknowledge it. Well, that's a fool. The fool but wait a minute. The fool has said in his Heart, there is no God. Now, wait a minute. I've met, you ever met Christian atheists? I've met them. They say they believe in God, but they don't act like it. And in their heart, the truth of the matter is, they really don't believe this stuff. Huh? They really don't believe the 
Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. They really don't believe there's a God in heaven or they wouldn't do the stuff they do. They wouldn't act like they act. They wouldn't go where they go. They wouldn't have private moments where it's just them. They ain't no such animal. The eyes of the Lord in every place beholding the evil and the good. I am to believe that. I believe that. I was preaching in a meeting in Southern California, and I was standing out in front of the church waiting for the preacher to come and get me. And this woman pulls up in a sports car, and I could see inside the sports car. She's wearing an immodest-looking dress or something or other. She pulled up, and she goes, hey there, do you need a ride? I said, no, ma'am, I'm waiting on somebody to come pick me up and go to church here and preach in just a few minutes. She goes, you sure you wouldn't like to have a ride? I said, I'm positive I wouldn't like to have a ride. My wife wasn't with me, but God was with me. It didn't make any difference. Look at me. I don't care who you are, where you are, what you are, where you go, what you do, who you're around, who you see, what you think. You ain't never alone because I always believe God's with me. And it's amazing how that will impact your life and your thinking. You ever been a kid sometime and your parents found out what you're up to and you thought, how'd they know that? They didn't see me. Huh? Well, you got somebody who's a better father than my earthly father. That's right. Somebody's a better mother than my earthly mother who watches over me all the time. See, a fool chooses to believe there is no God. And they will be made fools. Now they might write books and they might become famous and they might become popular and everybody might think they're really intelligent because this guy Hawking who just passed away recently had a horrible disease that shattered this man's body but did not his mind. Initially he, he professed that he believed there was some kind of a creative force or being or something. I, I was impressed with that. Well, I, I believe in God. You know, that impresses me. God must look down from heaven and go, hey, they think I'm here. I mean, you know, it fascinates me, like some kind of, like a condescension of the fact. But I happen to believe there's a there's a higher power. And I always think, you know, that is such junk. It is garbage that you have to condescend your little peanut finite mind to the acknowledgement that there's some spiritual creation or being. No, my friend, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I ain't going to give them no higher power name, some spiritual thing. It's ridiculous. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, I know Christian atheists who act like there is no God in their life. They must be, or they wouldn't do the stuff that they do. Nebuchadnezzar messed around with God. He found out that's not a smart thing to do. You mess around with God, he'll put you out in the backyard eating grass and scratching the dirt like an animal for seven years. But it took that man. You ever consider what a hard head that dude was? How many years do you have to live out in the backyard like an animal eating bugs and scratching in the grass to live before you look up and acknowledge the most high ruler of the kingdom of men and give it to whomsoever will? That fool took seven years to get there. And he was the most powerful man in the world. Yeah. People will come to visit the king. Where is he? Well, he's in the backyard having an alfresco lunch. I mean, you know, think about it carefully. It's amazing to me. You, you choose. Your choice is going to make you look like a fool. And they always look like fools. They always do. Oh, but, but, but wait a minute. Then that's, there's that fool who chooses to say, but I believe in God. I trust his word. I believe he's right. I'm cho I choose to do what God tells me to do. You know, Joseph looked like a fool. Those brothers that sold him to slavery cost him 17 years of his life. He would never see his mother again. He wouldn't see he wouldn't see his brother Benjamin until he was an adult. Seventeen years of his life. Now look at me. And the man had no reason to honor God, none whatsoever. 
He's sold as a slave. I mean, come on, right there in that pit, Joseph should have said, well, look, and it always fascinates me. I'm, I'm teaching on Joseph in Genesis in my Wednesday night meetings right now at, at church. And, and, and they threw him in the pit, sat down and ate lunch to talk about how they're going to kill him. Well, you want to talk cold-hearted, brother. That's cold-hearted. Pass me the peanut butter. Let's kill him. Give me the jelly. Let's kill him. salt on your watermelon. Did you get right with God? Do, do you put gravy on your ice cream? I mean, think about it for a moment. I, I don't understand you people. I don't get that. So why eat cheese? Shut up. Here's the point. So here's Joseph. He's in a pit. His brother's eating lunch, talking about how they're going to kill him. Then they sell him again. Now he goes to Egypt. He's sold again, twice now, twice. Now he's in Potiphar's house. Unholy woman lays intention, uh, unholy desires on Joseph. He resists her. He gets thrown in prison, falls accused. And yet the Lord is with Joseph. And yet the Lord is with Joseph. And yet the Lord is with Joseph. Most repeated phrase about the man's life. And you know why? Because Joseph was with the Lord. He never gave up on that. Guy. See, he looked like a fool, didn't he? Come on. 17 years of his life are wasted by what people did to him. Nowadays, we get a paper cut, we got to have counseling and shock treatment. It's unbelievable. No, 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 no. We're going to look like a fool if we decide no matter what, I'm staying with God. No matter what, I'm going on with Jesus. No matter what, I'm going to do what the Bible tells me to do. And the world's going to look at you and say, man, you are a fool for stuff like that. It's Thursday morning, 1139. you got 21 minutes before lunch, and you're sitting in church getting screamed at. What kind of fool are you? I guess we could be a fool out there with the world. Can't figure out what they are, how they are, where they are, what they're going, and what they're doing. And why do you care why these people make fun of others? Well, there's something wrong with you. No, Spanky, there's something wrong with you. I, 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 I don't, I'm not unkind about it, but I want to. God knows I want to. I'm walking in the mall one day, and there's these kids hanging out in front of the mall. They got their pants pulled down, the little Spider-Man underwear hanging out. Got the hat turned sideways. Even a duck knows which way the bill's supposed to go. Standing there making signs like, you know, where's the bathroom? I'm sure that's what that means. So I walk up and hand this kid a track. Hey, pal, I'd like to invite you to church. No, man. No. And I'm sure they were actually weren't talking like that. You know what's even worse is a white guy talks ghetto. That's yeah, disgusting. That's right. Seriously. Even worse than that is an Asian guy who does it with an accent. That's even worse. <laughs> so, so I hand him a track. No, no, man. Go to church. I'll go to church. Church is boring, man. Really? And what's your exciting life going on right here about? Huh? I said, well, what are you doing, bro? Well, I'm standing here hanging with my peas, man. Hanging with my peas. Really? Well, I mean, take you from your exciting life holding that wall right there, but, you know, <laughs> like to invite you to church. No, I don't go to church. Well, when you get done picking fuzz out your belly button and knit a sweater for your grandma, why, why don't you come on and go to church, Spanky? See, they look at us like, there's something wrong with that guy. No, I think there's something wrong with that guy right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, well, you shouldn't be looking down. I don't have to. He's about that tall, and he's, you know, hanging over like this, so I have to look down on him to look at him. But the truth of the matter is, and they think there's something wrong with us. 
Well, I look like a fool to them. I, I understand that. I look like a fool because I won't do what they do. I look like a fool because I choose to do what God tells me to do. You're somebody's fool by your choices. Amen. You're also somebody's fool by your conduct. Proverbs 14 and verse 9 says, Fools make a mock at Satan. You know, the world glorifies it. The stuff they do openly now used to get arrested for and thrown in jail. Now it is not only condoned and legal, but it is promoted and pushed in our face. And, and it's something else. If you, if you preach against that kind of stuff and push back against it, there's something wrong with you. I got news for you. There's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with us. And your conduct, see, people, people think sin is a funny toy that there's some kind. There is pleasure in sin for how long? Yeah, but this season always comes in. Haven't we figured that out by now? And then they get they look like fools. The sin makes them look like a fool. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. How many more comedians do we have to see hang themselves from rafters in their basements and cut their throats and murder themselves because they're unhappy, but they make everybody laugh? Now, now think about that for a minute. World-famous comedians who are unhappy. Now, does that not look like something wrong here? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Like, whoa, boy, that guy made everybody laugh, but he was so unhappy. Really? <laughs> Fools make a mock at sin. Yeah. You, you mess around with sin, it'll make a fool out of you eventually. Oh, it will. It'll strip you down. It'll take everything away from you. Sin never gives you any more, any more than it takes away from you in your life. Ever. Sin always costs you more. It takes you where you never intended to go, keeps you longer than you intended to stay, makes you pay a price you cannot afford. Sin always does that. Why haven't we figured that out? Why do we think? And I'll tell you what, the number one reason people do sin, whether they're Christians or not, is because here's what they think. It won't be me. It's been all those other thousands and tens of thousands and yes, millions of people, but it won't be me. No, no, it won't be me. See, I'll miss this. I'll miss, it won't happen to me. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. See, you think you can stand against God. You can think you can stand without God, but you can't stand without him. You can't do it. You will fall. It happens. It happens to everybody that ever has, ever does. Fools make a mock at sin. Many join the ranks of fools because they think they can control sin, play with it. It's a toy. It's somehow or another. There's always that transition in sin where you control sin and sin controls you. There's always a transition where sin takes over and you're no longer in charge. You know where that transition is? Let me show you where it is. Nobody knows because it's not the same for everybody. Some people have enough character to hold out longer and eventually it catches up with them. Some people have enough that they can hide enough where nobody sees it, but you can't hide anything. Everything being manifest. But see, the problem is no one knows the transition where sin takes over and you no longer control it. And if they did, no one would sin and they'd know where to stop it. But they don't know where to stop it because they don't know where it's going to happen. Because when sin takes over, sin takes over and you have no choice. Sin, when it is finished, bringing forth death. There is no point of transition that we know because it's going to be different for everybody else. And then eventually sin makes a fool out of you. Boy, that kid looks smart. Didn't that kid look like he's got it all in one bag, as we used to say? That kid who said, Father, give me my inheritance now. Took his inheritance, went to a far country. He's in control. Knew the road to go. He's in control. Knew where the far country was. By the way, the prodigal's brother did too. 
because he knew his brother was spending where how he was spending his money. So the prodigal brother must have been there too. Well, he looks like he's in control. And he's over there wasting his substance on righteous living. He's in control. He's everything's in control. He's got it. He's got the money, he's got the package, he's got the best friends money can buy. Those are not friends, by the way. And then when the famine arises, but now listen to me. When a famine arises somewhere, and usually in those days it would take somewhere between three to ten years for a famine to take full effect. Well, when the famine hits full effect, that means this kid was blowing his money for three to ten years. I just read an article the other day about these people. I guess somebody guess won this one point some billion dollar mega lottery thing or whatever it is. More than 70% of people who win those lotteries, big money, are broke within less than 8 to 10 years. And some not even that long. And a lot of them have been murdered because people find out they got money and they kill them to take what they have. There's, there's almost no one who ever won a big chunk of money like that whose life turned out better for them. None of them. All of a sudden you got friends you never had. You got family you never knew you had show up. This kid's got it all. But when the famine hits, he's broke and the famine's in the land. And what happens? No man gave unto him. He looked like a fool. I guarantee you people went by his little friends, went by and said, man, ain't that Joe over there? Not the hog pen. Okay, where are we going to lunch? Woo! And they just went right on. He looked like a fool. Now he's living with pigs, eating pig food. And the boy has still not figured it out because the Bible says he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. The kid's trying to make the hog pen work. You ever see him trying to make the hog pen work? They're in the hog pen. It's not like they're going to get They're there. They're living like pigs, like animals, and they're still trying to make it work. He's over there looking. You ever slop hogs? I lived on a farm for a while when I was a kid slopping hogs because you have a bucket underneath the sink. This is pre-garbage disposal days. You had a garbage disposal. It's four-legged, got a wet nose, and living in a hog pen out there. A couple of them, as a matter of fact. And you throw everything in there, chicken bones. You throw the got the chickens and all that stuff. Everything's in there, feathers, guts, feet. Now they make lunch meat out of it. Anyway, but uh, everything goes in that thing. Scraps from dinner. It's all in that big old bucket. My job was to take that bucket out there and throw it in the hog pen. Never looked at something old that had been in that bucket for a day. Amen. If I put a little pistol on it, that might go. I wonder if that throw a game. Sin has made a fool out of him. Oh, yeah. Kid got smart, though, didn't he? I will arise and go unto my friends. Uh, no. I will arise and go unto my finances. No, didn't have any. I will arise and go unto my father. Say, Father, I have sinned. Now, listen, when you deal with prodigals in your life, you have to realize sometimes they have to get all the way to the hog pit and figure it out. People that bail these people out of this situation. It's difficult. If it's your children, your grandchildren, it is very difficult to watch them eat pig food. It's very difficult. Very difficult. But you know something? That's where they're going to wise up in that hog pen. Not with you going there paying for everything else because they're just going to find another hog pen. You're going to spend a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of money running around trying to bail prodigals out of stuff that they don't want to leave. But when they come to themselves, they come to themselves. Curtis Hutchins said years ago he was in sin and insane. His mind came back to him. He woke up and realized, good night, look at where I am. 
look at what I left. And he will rise and go into his father and he'll say, Father, I have sinned and he comes home. There are fools who go to church when it rains. There are fools who go to God's work and do what he wants them to do. There are fools who get on a bus. There are fools who work in a nursery. There are fools who sing in church. There are fools who actually, when work is done, they go home to their family. There are fools who pay their bills. There are fools who do not participate in the carnality and the fleshliness of this world. I'm, I haven't been through something today at our church back home to take care of some things because I found out some stuff when I was here this week I did not know because I've told you, you know, I'm not an internet guy and a social media person because I have a life. And, and, and the truth is, but I found some things out and I got to deal with something. Well, to be honest with you, you see, well, Brother Johnson, you, you don't understand if you don't get involved in these internet things and stuff, there's so much information you're not getting. My Oki people have an expression. It's called ignorance is bliss. Get happy. Man, I'm just dumb. I think something about wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know about all the Hollywood stars. I don't know about all this kind of stuff. I don't follow sports to the point where I, I got posters of these people up on my wall. These NBA players, the reason they go around all these different places to play basketball so they can lose their kids in all those cities. Uh, and so it's fascinating to me how we want to idolize people like that. That's fascinating to me. No, the truth of the matter is, man, I, I, I just sort of decided a long time ago that if I'm going to look stupid because I go to church when the doors are open, when they're out, like I said, it's hot in Reading today. Today it's only going to be 105, so it's cooling down. Tomorrow when I get home, 114. Then it's going to go to 110, then it's going to go 107, then it's going to go up to 112, then it's going to go back to 103. It's not going to get below 103 for another 10, 12 days. It's just hot in Reading. You get in your car, put your seatbelt on. The buckle is a branding iron. It's just hot. It's the way it works. See, why? It goes so winning in August when it's hot. Preacher was talking about the, shoe, the shoes with the nails through the heels. Never had those kind of shoes. But I had leather shoes where they wore out in the sole and the foot. Yeah, and I had one pair of dress shoes when I lived in Bible college. And I wore them out, had a hole in it. Used to get up in the morning, put a couple of sheets of cardboard in there so I'd go soul winning on a hot day. And those pebbles would come up through that cardboard, burn my feet. Did that look stupid or what? That looks so stupid. I look like a fool out there knocking doors when there's 112 outside and that kind of thing. You look like a fool. The world thinks, what is wrong with you? I mean, come on. What's the deal? Yeah, my conduct makes me look like a fool to some people, but not God. Amen. See, if three Hebrew young men were willing to go to the fire, I can go soul winning when it's hot. So what? You're a fool by your conduct. And number three, you're a fool by your convictions. With God, we had some grit in our craw about it. You know what a conviction is, though? That's not when you get in trouble with the law and you got a record. That's a different one. A conviction is a belief or a practice based on the Bible that never changes. Never changes. Uh, Christmas, vacation, hot, cold, it never changes. Home, I'm amazed at people who think you dress differently at home. You know, well, I wouldn't wear that in church, but see, at home. Well, how would you like to if you came up to my house and knocked on the door, opened the door, and I'm standing there in a nice flowered dress? I'm at home, and I'm 
sorry, ladies, but the truth of the matter is, I wouldn't mind the breeze. The truth of the matter is, it's hot out there. And I, here I am, what a wonderful thing to have a nice little summery cotton dress on when I'm at the house. Now, I wouldn't wear it to the grocery store. I dead sure wouldn't wear it to church. But for goodness sakes, when I'm around the house, you know, around the house, you know, I understand that. Now, I understand that my, my convictions dip a little when I get in the shower. I don't wear clothes in the shower. I agree with that. I understand that. But you wear real pajamas like pajamas, pajamas. You do you? Bless your heart. Okay, to me, that's like getting dressed and going to bed. I don't understand that. But okay, that's fine. That's fine. Fire breaks out in my house. I got to put, I don't, well, let's get off that point. The truth is, my, my, you know, now that the kids are gone, we got an empty nest. Yes, Jesus. It's fantastic. We've had an empty nest for 12, 14 years. It's fantastic. Really. We should have kicked them out a long time ago. You're 12, you're gone. Yeah, here's a suitcase, 50 bucks, find a bus, kid. Come on, get going. Because when they turn 13, you're going to look at them and go, who are you and what would you do with my kid? Give them back to me. Now we have the empty nest. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, seriously. I can sit in the front room in my underwear. I mean, seriously. Do you? Nope, my wife won't let me. She won't. She will not let me do it. Go put some pants on, for goodness sakes. Why do you want to sit in the front room for like that? That's disgusting. I said, babe, there's nobody but us. It's no big deal. No, no people. And I've said that from my pulpit. No one wants to come to my house. <laughs> and I don't sit around the house in my underwear, and I don't know where this point's going. Stay with me. The truth of the matter is, I'm sorry, but you can knock on my door and you will find independent fundamental Baptist convictions in our house, my wife, and myself. Hello? You know, Isaiah 47 says you bear the thigh in public, you're naked. You're naked. So that's for a man and that's for a woman. That's for both people. And so the truth of the matter is, you're not supposed to do it. Okay. Look, the, the point is, if you have a conviction, it's what you believe. I got into the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement in 1975 when I got out of service. By 1976, 77, I got it right in my head about who I was, what I was, and what I was supposed to be. My wife has never had a problem with convictions, never. She's the most godly woman I know. She is. She's amazing. <laughs> you know, I tell her, I said, babe, if you go anywhere we go and you go shopping and you find a dress that's decent and you like it, buy it. I don't care if it costs 500 She'll say, well, I wouldn't do that. She likes to go to used clothes stores and buy clothes. Now, don't, don't, she's not dressing like a rag rag lady, okay? She was very appropriate, always dresses very, very pretty and everything else. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. But she ain't wearing no junk. She ain't wearing, she, she's not going to wear stuff that's not, that's not right. I don't have to tell her, you really shouldn't wear that. I don't think I've ever said that to her. Now, I'll tell you what, ladies, please help this man come home and you got a hairdo or a new dress or something, please don't ask us what we think. Because there's no correct answer. If you don't like it, you tell the truth. You've had it wrong. If you like it and you don't say you like it fast enough, you've had it. So you say, what do you think of my hairdo? I like it. Well, you didn't even look at it. Okay. I think it's beautiful, sweetheart. What's wrong with it? I'm fat. I go, wanted me to look a little longer, so I looked, and it's really pretty, honey, you're very pretty, you look great, and I 
wife said, no, I don't have the gravel. I want to go back and get a color again. I said, no, baby, it's all right. It's fine. You look, you look really good. I'm sorry. Now she comes home and says, honey, how do you look? I just started crying. I, I, I don't know the timing. I don't know the wording. I don't know what to say. I just stand there and say, please don't hurt me. Here's somebody, please. If I say I like it, can I go out in the backyard? Is it okay? Please, sweetheart. Please don't hurt me. We get, we get convictions. But you see, it's funny because they say, you fundamental Baptist, you're nothing but convictions. Well, the truth of the matter is there's so much in the Bible to be have conviction about. Why not? But the world has convictions. Huh? First of all, everybody in this room has convictions. You got clothes on. You have a conviction about being clothed in public. Okay, so everybody has convictions. Come stand with them 7-Eleven stores one day. I'm standing behind this person wearing all black, gothed out, turquoise hair spiked up like the Statue of Liberty, metal all over their face. Look like somebody loaded up a shotgun, shot them in the face. I mean, they got they pierced everywhere, eyelids, eyebrows, nose, lip, had a big old safety pin through the bottom lip. I'm standing there looking at them. White pancake makeup. Turquoise, fingernail polish, lipstick, and eyebrows, eye shadow stuff, whatever you call that. I said, oh, that was a girl. Hey, her name's Mary Callahan. And, and I'm just standing there watching. And then all of a sudden, it starts working the safety pin. Back and forth like a trombone. That's what I'm watching. Wow. Turns around, looks at me and goes, what? I said, what do you mean, what? He goes, what? What are you looking at? I said, you. Tell me you didn't do that for somebody to look at you, man. Come on. I mean, seriously. Bro, how long did it take to get all that together and go on public? I mean, seriously. Did you know Halloween's one day out of the year? I mean, come on, man. Look at this thing. What? What do you mean, what? Now, we look at a guy like that or a girl. I don't think it's a guy. Look at a person like that and we go, well, that's just, you know, they're, they happen to have that choice. They want to be goth and they want to do this. And then we look at a fundamental Baptist wearing clothes when it's hot outside. Look at me. And they think there's something wrong with us and we're some kind of cult. No, that's the cult. See, that, 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 see, convictions make you look like a fool to somebody. But everybody has convictions. Come on, you Ohio State fans. You guys are rabid, crazy people about what goes on in the shoe. It doesn't even look like a shoe. It looks like an open-ended stadium. Why don't you call it the open-ended stadium? It's not even a shoe. And you get, you're rabid about Ohio State Buckeyes, I'm going to say it one more time. I don't know how you get fired up about a stinking hazelnut wearing a cardigan sweater. But the truth of the matter is, I don't get it, okay? But but, but, but conviction, weather sets in, blowing snow, Michigan, Ohio State's playing the in place up here. And they come down here, ah, everybody goes crazy and all that kind of stuff. they got convictions about that. You make fun of stuff like that. I pick on soccer. Soccer's not a sport, as I have said. Little, little grass fairies out there kicking the ball. And that kind of stuff. You go to certain places where soccer is a big thing. I'm going to have to have an armed guard to get to the parking lot. But say, what are you worried about? Nothing. They're soccer fans. They're not even close to dangerous. It's not a problem. And so you start heading out there. Oh, my goodness. You like smack somebody's mama when you make. And they, but don't tell me the world doesn't have convictions. Yes. They, they still go to Elvis's grave after however long he been kicked the bucket. Seriously. Y'all were singing that quartet song back there. I closed my eyes. I swear I could see hear Elvis being the lead. Up, no, but wait a minute. You can sing. He never could. But the truth of the matter, that's right. Him and Johnny Cash made fortune because neither one could carry a tune in a bucket. But see that? People are going to be like, well, he's making fun of him. 
making fun of Elvis. Elvis is in heaven. He better be. He better be. You know what Elvis is doing right now if he's alive? Get me out of here. Okay, the truth of the matter is everybody has convictions. convictions. Convictions make you look like a fool to somebody. People with convictions about God's word and what they believe in. Man, you got a conviction about the King James Bible nowadays and they think you are crazy. See, here's the deal. we got a quick saying. Well, that's the version I choose. They know other version in English, but a King James Bible, that's the word of God. Hello? Well, there are different. No, there's not different versions. There's perversions. There is one book. The English King James Bible is the word of God for us today in the English language. Inspired, infallible, and errant. And boy, they drive you crazy on that one. Now we got these little squirts, uh, Carrie Schmidt and uh, Kurt Skelly, and these guys are now going out promoting that we need to attack the King James and show you people how to take them gradually and lovingly away from the King James. Oh, so let's take the Bible out of people's hands. Last time I checked it, that's still what was going on in the Garden of Eden when Satan had God said and putting a question in people's minds. But there's something wrong with us because we are solid on what we believe about the book. Convictions, you understand? That we should not be able to be moved on anything that we know is based on the Bible. That will make you inflexible. But truth is inflexible. And the last time I checked it, we preached a sharp two-edged sword. So when they say you guys are a little edgy, thank you. What a compliment. It's edgy, just like that edgy sword. I'm edgy, just like that sword. I found something out a long time ago. You don't sit on barbed wire fences very long. You get on one side or you get on the other one. It's like John 2 on the farm. But, you know, you're, 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 it's an edgy thing to say that the, this is the final authority, the word of God for us in the English language is the King James Bible, period. That's edgy stuff. Thank you. That's edgy. And we preach an edgy book, and we preach an edgy Christian life, and we preach it ed- in an edgy fashion. And the world thinks we're fools for it. Well, you're going to be somebody's fool. somebody's fool. You are someone's fool right now. Someone thinks you're a fool because you're in church on a Thursday. It's 12.03 and this preacher's trying to wrap it up so you can go have lunch. And you're going to be what? You're going to go back and go to church that night. And then when Saturday rolls around, we go so when you get on bus routes and then Sunday we're going to church. We're, we've already been to church, what, seven times this week? Isn't that enough? Come on. It's like church. You're a fool standing in front of preachers this morning. 